You read the Bible, Greg. Yes. Well, there's this passage I got memorized. Sort of fits this occasion. Ezekiel 25, 17. The path of the righteous man is beset on all sides by the inequities of the selfish and the tyranny of evil men. Blessed is he who in the name of charity and goodwill shepherds the weak through the valley of darkness. For he is truly his brother's keeper and the finder of lost children. And I will strike down upon thee with great vengeance and furious anger those who attempt to poison and destroy my brothers. And you will know my name is TC and Jake. When I lay my vengeance upon thee. Welcome in, folks. Got a special treat for you this week. I think this will be the only one this week, right? Is that what we decided? Uh, we haven't really talked about it. Oh, okay. Well, we haven't really you... talked about it. You want to take the mics? Uh, yeah, uh, kind of. They're easily, much more easily transportable now than the ones, the equipment we used to use. And now. I'm already bearing up for. I'm I'm building in some extra time at TSA already because <laughs> I'm taking the drone. Oh, hell yeah. I need to see Montana from the sky. Hell yeah. And I'm sure that the TSA is going to have some questions. So (laughs) the microphones will be the least of our problems. Okay, yeah. Probably like at least third. (laughs) 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 If I just had to guess. But yeah, we're uh, we're headed to Montana. Yeah. Uh, So it's a short week for us. uh, But we wanted to make sure that uh, we we got in something really good if it was going to be the only one. Uh, this is a special treat for Horns fans because we got the two biggest Horns fans in the world right here. <laughs> Jake's always with us, but uh, Mike Roach, welcome. So thanks. great to have you again. Yeah, thanks for having me. Repeat you, guest, uh, one of the very first listeners to this podcast, I would have to guess. Yeah, we of course have to mention that uh, the way we met Mike was episode certainly in the two digits. Uh, he just sent an email, was like, I like what you're doing. Uh, could I just come and hang out? And That's we right. Said, Hell the first yeah. house. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Was that on Miller? House on Miller. Yeah. Wow, that's 2010. right. Yeah. I brought uh, gifts that day uh, for both of you. I don't remember that. I brought you a uh, cotton bowl pennant. Hell yeah, I got it right there. Yeah, and then I brought Jacob a bottle of whiskey. I love it. A man yeah. after our hearts. And uh, at that time, uh, I don't think that Mike had written a single word about college football. Was uh, installing security systems? Is that yeah? Was that the racket? And, and was going to? I told somebody this the other day. I was talking to you because I was going to launch an MMA podcast. Yeah, <laughs> I remember that. Uh, Still in the works? No. <laughs> and, and since then, Mike has uh, steadily worked his way up. It's I don't know, dude. I, a lot of these people just whatever. Once they're writing for twenty four seven, like you're like, okay, uh, that's when you learn who they are. So you don't know all the stuff that they did before then. Uh, but just watching, I mean, it's it's a career built on perseverance. I'm I'm constantly impressed that you know one of the people that people respect and they should in the uh, Longhorn discourse is uh, you know a security systems installer that hung out at our house like yeah. just fucking Dollar laying a on dream. the half deflated air mattress while we're all just <laughs> shooting the shit just trying to figure out like how, how can I get out of this uh, security world and into the sports world and I thought my entry was going to be a, a, a podcast about MMA that would just certainly take off yeah a little a niche sports at the time <laughs> I don't know exactly where MMA was probably not as big as it is now though they no, certainly not. They didn't have the island. I mean, I would say that to an extent, you probably have to go back a little bit further, but 
recruiting was more H back even ten. Yeah, like we're talking yeah, yeah. twelve years ago, right? Yeah, like is that a, when yeah. did you get? When did you uh, make your entree? So I started in twenty fourteen doing this. So um, what a yeah. rise, folks! I got in on on the beginning of the Charlie Strong era at Texas. So it's been <laughs> a boom time. It's been nothing but thumbs up for me. <laughs> yeah. That's uh, that's fucked up, man. Just, there's, there's a lot of good times in Texas history, and you appear to have squarely missed essentially all of them. Landed right in the bad part. I, I remember texting you after Texas beat Notre Dame that fateful evening in Austin. Yeah. I thought, man, this is pretty great for Charlie. And you were like, uh, this Notre Dame team's not that good. This isn't going to turn out that well for you. And yeah. the TC was right. <laughs> I kind of feel like Charlie got wronged, but we don't need to a little bit relitigate the entire Charlie Strong era. I mean, the thing that I'll always think about any Texas coach is you simply can't lose to Kansas and hope to keep your job, but <laughs> I think that everyone since then has, right? Did Tom didn't. Tom didn't lose to Kansas. No. Okay, good what, for him. What was his big loss? Um, I mean, I think that's the thing is Tom, when you look at it, at any other it was actually school, really good. everybody would have been like... That. You know, pretty good, but at Texas, you just can't go. I mean, it wasn't so much the losing to Kansas. It was just repeatedly losing to Oklahoma State, repeatedly losing to TCU. And, uh, you know, it's too bad that his warm personal relationships didn't see him through. That was the big thing, yeah. It was uh, – I tell people all the time, like, my favorite memory of Tom was um, in going into his final year. I, I go to a lot of, like, coaching clinics around the state. In fact, I'm going to coaching school this weekend. Um, and – he uh, he came into this coaching clinic, and obviously he had fired his entire staff. He was replacing all the assistants. He didn't have the best relationship with high school coaches, and he didn't like me a ton, depending on when he saw me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had just written this big like behind-the-scenes thing on the recruiting class I did every year. And uh, he called it a, a, the, one of the great works of fiction he ever read. <laughs> um, but he came in late to say that <laughs> he came in late to a uh, to the coaching clinic and then bitched that there was no pizza left. And okay, I, now that's I mean, I was like, dude, you make five million. A man's a, year, a man, like, you know. <laughs> yeah. already when don't I'm hoping like you. to see pizza. Yeah, but don't be late. Do you guys remember when he called into that radio station in Houston? Halfway, what, what did he I say? Do. It was uh, uh, John Lopez, I think he called in on. Yeah, and it was, I think uh, it was Kyle Allen related. I think Nick That's Wright right. was on that show. At I the think time. you're right about that. I because I looked this yeah. up. I looked this up recently, and Nick Wright was the co-host, and he just, you know, called. He was on for like 20 minutes. They were sure. just talking about him. And he, he probably decided, used the term "great works of fiction" that day. He decided to set the record straight that day. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's what you unprompted. Want. Your big time college football coaches. Well, doing. now he's with the Bears, so he's gone. Good. I'm looking at it here. Is he gone? Uh, he was not retained by Matt Eberflus oh. when they brought in a new regime. We could have really used them. You he's know, hanging out with his sons, fields. Maddock and Maverick. Maddock and Maverick. Hell yeah! And you want to guess how Maddock is spelled? Uh, no, because I, I, the only guess I have is certainly not one that would be correct if you're asking me. M a d d o c k. Yikes, Maddock. Maybe it goes. Yeah. Maybe it said Maddock. That's a pretty cool name, Maverick. I feel like you just watched Top Gun. <laughs> I'm Tom Cruise, guys. Um, Megan was in a uh, like as part of her company's you know presentations. They're always doing Zoom presentations, mm-hmm. and uh, to kind of drive a point home, uh, one of the lady who like 
you know, maybe has heard of football. Like, she thinks the first downs, is that like a basketball thing? Hmm. Uh, flashed up, uh, we, we practice so hard that the games are easy. Okay. And, and attributed that to Tom Herman, Bears assistant. I like, love it. Oh. She, unfazed by the general trajectory of his career, I guess. She thought it was still a great point to yeah, make. The quote hits, the quote hits. He was the guy who, like, when times got tough, he was like, here's the answer. We're going to do Oklahoma drill on the field in pregame before the actual game starts. I don't hate it. You know, I hope that's not, you, like, audible. It probably is. It's the really fucking, loud. Yeah, the street here. I, I don't know what... I don't know about the history of like how we do street improvements, but the variety of noises that await me, <laughs> whatever. Because my thing now, you know, like I've said before, I just I stay up late and then uh, I got to wake up with the kid. But I'm like, don't worry, I can nap. And instead, I slowly descend in the madness. Yeah, that's bad. OK, so how'd you get into the game? Um, it was really just uh, like I, I like to write. I wrote in high school. And my wife was just like, you should write. Like, you don't have to be hired by anybody. You could just start a blog or do whatever. Very true. And so I just started writing. And, um, you know, Jake, as as one who grows up in the state of Texas and uh, plays football, you, you like high school football. And so I just, like, the end goal was, like, I just want to figure out how to get paid to watch high school football on a regular basis. And so I started doing it for an independent. And what is your current salary? Um, no, it is. You don't, uh, to, you don't have to answer. I'm actually. Uh, I'm approaching a renegotiation soon. So we're hoping. Hoping for big things. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. He's got some. <laughs> got a playbook you can follow. <laughs> um, so I, I got on with an independent site, just basically doing it for free. And they said you can, you know, do whatever you want. And they put me on the beat that year, that that faithful year with, Char- with Charlie's last year. Um, which was great because they put me on the beat after they beat Notre Dame and after they went to Cal. So I missed the Cal trip and didn't get to see the Notre Dame game. But I did get the full Big 12 slate to cover, mm-hmm. um, including trips to Lubbock, Manhattan, and I believe Ames. Um, and I, I kind of hated it. I kind of hated covering the team. Mm-hmm. I wanted to just do recruiting and, and cover high school football and um, so I started doing that. I made a big enough name. I was working full time on the side and then doing that like kind of in my off time. And uh, that 24-7 brought me on as a, a part-time like freelancer and then kind of just worked my way up from there. And um, the guy I worked with before, EJ Holland, was kind of big in our market. And he left to go cover Notre Dame for a, for a period of time. And now he covers Michigan. Not beloved by the fan base. Not beloved <laughs> by uh, a good friend of mine, not beloved by a lot of fan bases. Um, <laughs> Cause now he's covering Michigan and just trolling Notre Dame on a, on a semi-regular basis. I think uh, CJ Carr is going to win in that battle. Yeah. That's what I was told. I had to call him the other day and ask how, how the hell did you guys lose Lloyd Carr's grandson? <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> I got the, we didn't want him. <clears throat> oh, of course. Not. Yeah. I'm sure you hear that not. a lot. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. They didn't want Dante Moore either. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that was – so not to get too behind – I mean, too deep in it, but, like, that was the answer was, well, they didn't want to take CJ before they knew what Dante was doing and this, that, and the other. I'll so. tell you what he's doing. Not going to <laughs> Michigan. Yeah. Exactly. Um, but, yeah, so I when, once he left, I got elevated and it's kind of gone from there. Nice. Uh, so yeah, the, the, the reason we have you on today is, uh, you have a book. It's, it's not something, uh, you know, I've, I've recently left the world of, uh, primarily book promotion. Like uh, hypothetically we're doing podcasting, but you quickly find it's just book promotion. Right. Uh, and so I, I know what this is, is, uh, generating pre-sales. 
you know, where, <laughs> yes. where the, the book ranks in that first week is a, is a huge deal. And all those pre-sales count towards that. So you want to have, the, you know, I mean, you would think that you would only mention the book once you can buy the book. But in fact, that's, uh, that's stupid. Uh, people will only buy the book if you get that, that good first week ranking, which you have to generate pre-sales. So what, do you, you have a pre-sale me- link? You, we do. It's on Amazon. It's uh, you could search it for the. Uh, it's called The Road to Texas. Uh, is the name of the book that has a very long subtitle that I can barely remember half the time. But <laughs> I think it's like incredible twists and turns along the Longhorn Recruiting Trail or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, you actually put me onto a great podcast about book promotion, and so that's when I learned. Because even when you approached me, I was like, "No, nah, it's it's early, bro. Like the book doesn't come out till October. Not too early. Yeah, Never early. <laughs> this guy then I, knows. Then I listened to the baseball. podcast, and I was like, I need to be doing stuff about this. So I've had to start calling this week and, and try to book some things to promote it. But um, yeah, I was approached uh, by Triumph Books to do it. It's it's uh, one in a series that Tom Van Heron launched. Uh, called, he did The Road to Michigan, and then they've done a Alabama and Georgia one, I believe. And then they wanted somebody to do a Texas one. And it wasn't really my idea, but I, uh, I thought it'd be cool to say I wrote a book. I think it's a neat concept. Like uh, uh, with any of those schools, like if you just, you know, uh, look at like the top 40 players that have been to that school, uh, see which ones will talk to you. Is this the general idea? Yeah. So I talked to a list of players. Um, I did. I set out a goal to get like one of the Mount Rushmore, Texas guys on there and, and unfortunately could not. That was like the biggest disappointment. Like Earl Campbell sent me a very nice, polite decline. Yeah. Vince Young has a wall of people around yeah. him that you have to get through layers and layers to get to Vince Young. Mm-hmm. Ricky, I had zero expectations for. And then Colt McCoy is like still playing. So see, it's, I feel like Ricky's a, a wild card. Like I, yeah. I could see yeah. you just uh, no answer, or I'll be there. I'm outside. Like I, you, could, see, I could see. You Ricky, somehow get a pager number. And, right. I could yeah. see Ricky declining and then doing a podcast for somebody that's got 50 listeners. Yeah, like, <laughs> exactly. That's the way I saw that break it down. But we did get a good list of people together. Um, Blake Brockermeyer, who's, who's a good friend of mine. Um, was kind of the first guy I approached, and, and it let me kind of get my feet wet on doing a chapter with somebody I knew and was comfortable with. Uh, for me and for guys that grew up around our era in high school football, like B.J. Johnson was, like, for me, that was huge. South Grand Prairie. I was an Irving guy. He was a South Grand Prairie guy. He was kind of like a, uh, a mythical figure in high school football because you would hear, like, B.J. Johnson had, like, 300 yards. Sure. Um, B.J. Johnson did tell me a great story, by the way, Notre Dame-related, that did not make it to the book because I don't want to accuse anybody Please of anything share. I can't prove. But a uh, about how a certain coach locked him in a room at his high school and asked him how much money it was going to take to get him to Notre Dame. Uh, really? A very, a very well-known coach. Um, so... Uh, a very well-known coach who just formerly was had a one-year stint in the NFL before a regrettable incident at a bar kind of chased him out of the business again. I don't even remember. I'm not making the connection. But Me thank you. <laughs> I'll ask. Let's, we'll, let's we'll talk do. after. I, don't, yeah. I just don't want to say I, I don't want to get sued. Fair enough. Um, um, so we a uh, couple more names. Uh, Derek Johnson was like the big one for me too. Uh, getting him was really cool. That's a great kid. Yeah. yeah. Michael Huff, who I had to guilt because he's an Irving guy, too. Um, I had to guilt by just saying, hey, we're Irving guys, so like, please help me out. Um, who has a really interesting story because he basically got offered in the last week of recruiting and only had one other football <coughs> offer at the time. It was like a two-star recruit. What was his uh, – you say football offer. Did he have other offers? 
Was I think his like other offer was like Oklahoma State or somebody like that. Mm-hmm. Um, he wanted to go to Michigan. He was a like born. His family was born Michigan fans. He's like a huge Charles Woodson super fan. He was going to go to Houston to run track, and then Texas kind of just threw out an offer late in the thing, and then he becomes a top ten draft pick and a Thorpe Award winner. So wow, I had no idea that was his. Yeah, story. he. I mean, he had nothing going on for him. Um, Roy Miller was cool. Uh, Rod Wright, Iquan Cosby, Fozzie Whitaker. So it's it's a good list of guys um, just kind of telling fun stories. And the great thing is they're mostly done with their careers now, so they're willing to they can yeah. go back and look at their recruitment and just say anything about it. Yeah, if you are in the recruitment, then, like, you're really tight-lipped. Uh, but, like, whenever it's just remembering cool shit from 20, 15 years ago, uh, I have to – like, that's that's why the premise of the book seems so cool to me because it's, it's – it's not like there is a cottage industry of people asking you like recruits are just receiving so much more media attention when they're in high school than uh, they are about certainly about their recruitment uh, 20 years later. Like there's it's one of those things where like it to me, it's super interesting, but uh, it's just not going to come up organically unless you're like, why well, should write this book? Yeah. Uh, and so I, I would think that they're in a position where like, they're like, this is so cool. Someone cares at this point. So let me tell you everything. Yeah, and you know, a lot of the former players were extremely instrumental. Like, I went and met with BJ at his office. He runs a construction company in Dallas. Dope. And I went and just sat in his office for like two hours and talked to him. And then he's on the phone. He's like, do you want Roy Williams' phone number? And Roy Williams agreed on the phone, and then I could never get in touch with him again. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, ultimately he Ultimately let down in many facets. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> called, called Vince Young in the room. Vince was just like, talk to my people. But like, he... He was actively yeah. working to help get me guests and, and awesome. other guys to do it. So it was cool to just hear like the old stories and to hear how much recruiting has changed. You know, those guys didn't didn't go through it in the social media era. Um, so it's it's been a big change. Yeah, I bet that like the uh, 200th recruit now gets like as much attention as oh, yeah. Vince Young did. When I do like volume 30 of this book and I can finally get Arch Manning on the record about how everything uh-huh. happened, then, you know, we'll... We'll, we'll really get a great, great idea. We yeah. do actually, there is a chapter on Bijan Robinson in here. He's the only current player because okay. the publishers were like, look, obviously he's really good. And I couldn't get Bijan on the record because dealing with Texas and, yeah. and, and going through compliance and all that. But I covered his whole recruitment. I have every quote he ever gave us already. So I could basically, you know, tell that story how it was. Yeah. Uh, no, I, I, the Notre Dame writers, I've often heard remark that, uh, you know, their time talking with a player is uh, there's a lot of it before they're at the school and there's a good amount after they're at the school. And while they're at the school, you don't talk to them at all. There was a game I went down for last year and I got a photo credential because Arch was visiting. And I told the people of Texas, wouldn't it be cool if we had some pictures of Arch visiting? Uh, you know, social media, go crazy, all that. It's very hard to get a photo credential at Texas. So I got one. Um, and literally like all these kids I covered. So they're all coming on the film. They're like, oh, hey, there's Mike. And they're all coming over to talk to me. And one of the media officials walked over and was like, you can't talk to the players. And I was like, I'm not interviewing them. I'm just saying hello to a bunch of kids I knew before you guys ever did. So Yeah, I don't want to be like, have them walk up and be like, go away. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so what What are the, I, I, I love stories. If, if you want to share a couple cool ones, I'd, I'd be all for it. From the book or just my time in general covering recruiting? Uh, I guess I meant the book, but I'll take both. Sure. Uh, I'll start with the book. I, so like the prevailing 
most of the guys that I have are from the early to mid Mac Brown era. So, you know, they were really guys that were in the golden era of Texas football. And the publishers made it clear, like, look, we don't need anything salacious in here. We don't need to know about, you know, how much a guy was offered or, you know, how many strippers he saw on his official visit. Like, just tell a good, wholesome story. But I did get some fun stories along the way. Um, one of them, I, I, like I said, would be the, the lock a guy in a room and ask him how much money it would take him to get to Notre Dame. Um, That's wild. Yeah, I mean, it's... I don't know. I deal with the NIL era now, so like nothing's wild to me anymore. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, I've I've been deeply embedded in the select seven on seven scene for a while, so nothing's sure. I hear it all. Um, I think like the prevailing sentiment early was just, and you, I guess you kind of have to put it in your mind and go back to that times. Every every one of those guys, when I asked them like, where did you grow up wanting to go to college? They're all like Florida State. They all wanted to go to Florida State. Wow. Um, I think it was, oh, it was BJ. BJ told me that Bobby Bowden came to the house. This is a this is actually probably my favorite story from the book. Bobby Bowden came to the house for his in-home visit, sat on the couch, drank his mom's tea, looked up at a picture of black Jesus they had over the television, <laughs> <laughs> and said, uh, are you folks Baptist? And they said, yeah. And he said, well, I'm Southern Baptist. <laughs> and Ooh. they said... Okay, and uh, for, uh, at that point, it was ruined. Once he walked out of the house, their mom was like, "You're not going to, you're yeah, not going to Florida State if he can't <laughs> take Black Jesus. He's not getting my son. I'll tell you that." It's it's a super interesting dynamic. Jeff Perlman had a really long uh, like tweet thread about this, which he will do uh, the other day. And I don't recall what was in the news that made it go down like this. There was there was some coach in the oh, it was uh, Jack Del Rio. Okay. Like it was yeah, Jack yeah. Del Rio popping off and, yeah. you know, people were like, this is, I can't believe he would say this. Like he associates with, you know, tons of minorities. He works with them, blah, blah, blah. And Jeff Perlman was like, this, he's just saying it. They're all like this. And the weirdest part of the dynamic is that they probably interact more with youth black culture as white men than any other job in the world. Yeah. Yeah. And they have to go, they go to their homes and I don't know, it just sort of like drives home for you that it is, they're viewing the kid as an asset only. I'm sure sometimes oh, they sure. become good friends and they, they're a lifelong relationship, but they're. I think they also, I think it's another way, another possibility is they're just not making the connections that all, that seem obvious to all of us. But that's, to me, that would be wild. It would be wild to drive into, you know, disadvantaged neighborhoods as a, for a job. I guess this happened with, happens with cops too. Uh, where you don't ever seem to totally put together like the societal picture, but just the idea that football coaches by and large deal with black teenagers as a job and are also still like, what, you can't go to the Capitol? It's a problem. You can't just have a couple of fellas. Like that's know. weird to just be in mostly I mean, black so families' fine homes. If they steal an election? Yeah, and like be shocked that a black family has black Jesus. That's probably not that uncommon. No, every black family I knew growing up had that picture <laughs> yeah. in their house. And like it has like I I grew up in South Irving, so like I didn't have that much problem with diversity, but like even doing this job has even changed my view more to the to the better of it. Yeah. Like it's become a primary driving force in my job to help kids in disadvantaged situations get to college so they can get out of their, you know, situation. That's wonderful. Yeah. No, I mean, you know, I'll see the, the tweets from you of like, Hey, everyone should check out this kid. I don't know. It's just, it's wonderful stuff. Like to build a position where, where you're able to, 
uh, you know, like cover cool stuff, but also like have a bit of a mission to, you know, find that hard workers get rewarded. Like that's fucking cool. Yeah. I mean, we sent a kid, no, I say we, they, I, I just helped kind of get his name out there. Sent a kid from South Oak Cliff to Stanford last year. Like that's, that's great. I mean, truly amazing stuff yeah, to dude. me, you know, that's life changing. So, it, you know, just that part of my job is, is probably the most rewarding part. Um, you know, dealing with the ups and downs of teenagers and what they're deciding at that moment. I remember talking to a coach at, at Texas and, and, a couple of years ago and he was like, well, just tell me, you know, what's going on. I'm like, I don't want to call you on like a Wednesday to tell you what Evan Stewart's thinking today, because it's going to change by the time we hang up the phone. You know, it's like these kids are, and our job is so tough because people, I could say something in February. I think this kid's going to end up here. I could say it in February. And in October, they're like, remember when you said he was going to end up here? And I was like, yeah, six months have passed. Like it's, or, or eight months have passed. It's a, a lot's changed. Yeah. Do you ever feel like uh, in an uncomfortable position if you like find something out about a player and it's like character related that you like have to let people know? Yeah, that's probably the worst because, you know, the way I keep currency with sources is to keep them updated on information like that, information they should know. And a lot of times, you know, if something happens with a kid, I'd say 90% of the time the colleges know about it. They're probably the first to know about it, in yeah. fact. But there have been times where I've had to say, hey, this is – you may not know about this or – or, uh, and it, it sucks because it feels like I'm holding the kid back from – or I, I may lose him a scholarship opportunity. I've just kind of got to walk the line. But, like, there's just a lot – like, last year, there was a kid I was close with who signed with Texas um, who played at Kimball named Ishmael Ibrahim. And I went out to his practice one day, and I went to go see him, and – he said, hey, I got to leave practice early and I got to go to work. And I said, OK, I mean, that's somewhat standard. And he, we were walking out together and he said, I, I just need to get an Uber real quick over to work. And I said, well, just hop in my truck. I'll like I'll just drive you over there for, you know, real quick. I'm sure that's probably not cool among NCAA rules. But like the kid, I, I didn't want to pay $20 for an Uber when I could easily give him a ride. So I drive him over to the Amazon plant where he's working and I was like, do you just work like six to 10 and then go home? And he goes, oh, no, I work like six to four. And then I come home, sleep for a little bit, get up and do school all day. And it's like, wow. when you realize kids are doing that so that their family can keep the lights on, it's it's a lot bigger motivator to help them get yeah. to where they need to be. Jeez. So uh, I, it's, it's also a good piece of info to feed the coaches because just imagine. Dedication. Well, dedication, and also uh, we're seeing his uh, performance with, on like uh, two hours of sleep. If we can get him on campus, yeah. get him eight, get him three square meals, and let him sleep, and yeah, yeah. So, um, but yeah, I think uh, I'm trying to think of some more. I mean, the stories from the book, a lot of them revolve. I did. Oh, you guys will love this actually. So I had Rob Babers in the book, and Rob Babers, if you don't know, is part of the uh, what they call the Wood, which was the friend group Absolutely. of uh, Chris Sims and Kyle Shanahan, and they all have the tattoo. Yeah, I'm yeah. Sure. So Rod showed me his on the Zoom uh, that we did, <laughs> and yeah. he tells the whole story of of all of them getting the tattoo. And actually, Kyle, I think he he uh, he remarks got the smallest one, and they were mad at him. <laughs> <laughs> um that's so great that an nfl head coach has the tattoo yeah it's a little what is it it's uh, uh they all have something different it's like a little longhorn but it's yeah. got something each one has something different to represent their personality 
I thought uh, Sims oh. is like what, like did say the wood or, or like TW or something. Yeah, they all have something like that that says the wood, and then, and it was it was. I'm trying to think. It was Babers, Sims, Shanahan, and I think Bo Scaife. There you go. Yeah, was the yeah. fourth one? Yeah. What a crew. Uh, I, I've, I've never seen the movie. I kind of want to just to. It's not a bad movie. I mean, I was a fan. You know, it's uh, this is just random. We'll get back to uh, the recruiting in a second. You know what I watched on the airplane that I really enjoyed and talked up all weekend? The uh, Ma- uh, Mark Wahlberg dramatization of the Deepwater Horizon. Oh, event. no. That's a hell of a flick if anyone's <laughs> oh, looking no. to have a good time. What's it called? Deepwater Horizon. <laughs> okay, of course it is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'll have to check that out. Um, no, but men. I mean, you talk about these coaches going into these neighborhoods. Like, there's a guy that was at Texas a couple of years ago, and his dad was literally Omar from The Wire. Like, he, oh man, he had served time and all this stuff. And and I talked to the coach that did his in home, and he was like, I met him in this really sketchy bar. He comes in, he's looking all around. He's like, well, Let's go somewhere else. We're gonna go to this barber shop um, over here. And like, this was. For my job, I got to go get this kid, and this is the in-home visit. And he said, so I asked him, like, you know, what did you what did you serve time for, if you don't mind me asking? He was like, oh, I used to kidnap drug dealers. And um, he just wasn't – it wasn't the benevolence that Omar – he didn't have the code. He was like, I just – it was a great way to make a lot of money. Wow. So, I mean, it's – some of the stuff out there, man, like it's – I think some of the stuff gets overplayed, especially like what you hear with these NIL numbers these days are super overplayed. Like – do I think A&M paid a little bit of money for their uh, for their class last year? Yes, I do. Do I think they paid like the $30 million that somebody reported? No, it's like an NHL payroll. Like, <laughs> it's just it's just not going to – I don't think it's like that. But, I mean, you do hear some wild stories uh, along the way, and, you know, half of them are true. Oh, I bet we'll get to NHL payroll soon enough. Yeah, I mean, it's the, – the well, the thing I'm interested to see is like – because we're in the infancy – is what happens when the first $8 million kid sucks? And then what does the booster <laughs> yeah. want at that point yeah. for his money? Because, you know, Jesus. it's kind of like a sunk cost at that point. What are you going to do? Kick him out of school? Yeah. You know, it's going to happen. Oh, it's absolutely I mean, it's definitely going to happen. I mean, I, the, Greg McElroy brought that up to us uh, when we first brought it up to him. You know, if, I, I mean, next you're, thing you're going to tell me that Garrett Gilbert won't pan out. Yeah, I know, right? That's a tough scene. Uh They'll probably make them like one-year deals. Like they'll probably make it like a maybe. You know, less, Will the market allow that? Um, yeah, that's a good question because if you get a because Oregon is offering me four right now. <laughs> if, yeah, that's true. If I get a huge deal though, uh, I'm gonna play. That's the other thing too. Like you can't even you can't really like bench somebody anymore. Oh yeah! Imagine the booster that paid eight mil. Be like, yeah, that's what I'm saying. You know, yeah. I've seen some really encouraging things from him. <laughs> right? Yeah. Exactly. Or the booster who just wants to be in on the meeting. Hey, I need to see the film from practice. See how my investment's doing. Yeah, yeah. Indeed, if I paid eight million for something, I would want to know that. No and doubt. it's driving. Well, the other thing, like the next thing that's coming, and I've been talking about this for like six months because college coaches have been talking about it, and it's finally started to leak out little by little. But they're basically going to get to like an, uh, remove anything where they could be sued for antitrust. So that means no limit on official visits, no limit on how many coaches can be out on the road recruiting, no limit on how big a staff can be. And they're basically going to get to the point, guys are like, we're going to be working year-round. It's going to chase everybody out of the business, basically. 
Yeah, yeah. Uh, as you're saying those things, I have to assume that no one actually wants them. No. The no. coaches don't want them. The players don't want them. No, because right now recruiting starts in earnest. Like if you're just looking at a calendar year, you know, you, you try to wrap up your, your, your senior class in January and then you – you know, get a head start on the next class, and then March through June, you're really hard at it. July, you get a little bit of a break with a dead period, and then you're right into the season, and then it just starts all over again. And so they're, you know, they're getting to the point where they're just working every day, either recruiting or, or coaching. See, so just as as you've been talking, and, and you know, also seeing some of your your stuff, it's just uh, the, the the biggest thing to me as far as like uh, the rags to riches story is just feels like every coach now has an opinion about Mike, which like, uh, you know, uh, I like Notre Dame a lot. I don't think any of the coaches have an opinion of me. <laughs> Are we talking high school coaches? The uh, high school coaches do like me. The, well, yeah. they're just the Texas coach. Like, you know, the, the Charlie Strong probably was, you know. Charlie did not know who I was. Okay. I was not along, uh, around long but enough. But then Herman's, uh, you know, opining on an article. And uh, I, I think that you were uh, in our, our pre-talk indicating some level of relationship with uh, Sark, right? He definitely knows who I am. I mean, yeah. we've crossed paths a couple of times at events and talked. And I mean, look, I for for better or worse, I control in a way the narrative of, of their recruiting. I mean, there's several sites in our market. I've probably got the biggest voice out of all those sites. So, not that. And I'll tell you this: Sark does not seem to care about that as much as Herman did. Like Herman's staff was very much, "What are you writing today?" And what's it going to say about us? <laughs> checks and out. all those sorts of things. <laughs> like I do that big, uh, like I said, it's it's the biggest piece we do. And it's probably a good reason why this book is is a good idea. That big uh, behind the scenes piece every year. Yeah. After signing day, I tell all the stories of like, they didn't get this kid because of this. They got this kid because of this. And, you know, some of it, if you have a bad year, can be embarrassing for the staff. And um Herman's lead guy asked me one year if he could edit it before I published it. <laughs> I was just like, "Is it no, no?" Yeah. <laughs> and then he tried it. No way. And yeah. Adam Schefter. <laughs> yeah, that's actually, a great point. <laughs> actually, I'll say the year he asked me if he could edit it, he did not get to make it to the edit date because that's when he was uh, fired. So, mm. mm. <laughs> kind of had the last laugh there. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So do you, do you have a? I mean, I guess you're kind of uh, unspooling it now, but like, I, I don't know what. It, yeah. What do you? I mean, I guess ultimately what I want to know is, do you think Sark's going to work out? But I, I just, you know, through the lens of compare and contrast against, like, you know, you, you get, it's probably what they know about football is uh, the most important thing. And I don't know that they're, like, uh, breaking down plays with you. But I feel like having some idea of who a person actually is as a human uh, would contribute to whether or not you think that they're going to be good. You would think that, although, I mean... I think we've seen some like the worst people in the world have the great success in, in the sport. Indeed. You kind of got to be a psychopath to do it in a way. Um, I think I'll say this. I'm a bit, I'm big on process over results and like looking at the processes that I saw, at least on the recruiting side and what I've heard from team sources, the process is better under Sark, whether that meets out in, in better win or loss record. I don't know, but the process seems to be better, especially like, I tell people, I mean, there's just, there's little simple things that I thought, when I first got into this business, I thought there's no way I know more than a college coach about scouting talent, right? And you would think that, and I still don't think for the most part I do, but 
I remember telling like people in Texas, hey, there's this kid at Rockwall who's like a sophomore named Jackson Smith and Jigba, and he's really, really good. And you guys should probably recruit him because he loves Texas. His dream school, he would go there in an instant. And I was told like directly from the head man, he's not athletic and he doesn't do anything exceptional. And I said, mm. well, he catches touchdowns at a pretty exceptional rate. <laughs> um, and, you know, now he's probably a top 10 draft pick next year. Yeah. Now at Ohio State, I, I told him the same thing about Marvin Mims. I was like, there's a kid in Frisco who's awesome, too small, not athletic. You know, I think he's been the primary reason Texas has lost to Oklahoma the last two years. So you get into, like, finding out little things like that. And some of the stupid way, like, recruitments play out, like, um, you know, they're just they're taking a guy that I'm like, this guy very clearly cannot play at this level, and yet they're going to take him for – X or Y, you know, reason. And so I think the process from what I've seen has been better under Sark. I can say that. Yeah, it is just like, I don't know, man. Uh, I think that any of us try, like, there's a lot of, uh, like, like I, I'm pretty sure I could be a, a better baseball manager than Tony La Russa. I'm confident <laughs> if they put me in there, I, I could squeeze out a couple more wins. Um, I Recruiting, not close. Like, you just... You're sorting through so much information. Like they're just, they're watching all kinds of high school film, and like you could, uh, like you know, you you do have some reference by having these uh, recruiting rankings. But like, I don't know. N no offense to what you're doing, but uh, that's flimsy enough uh, as well. You know, like there's a lot of misses there, uh, and it seems to me like there's a lot of times where. Uh, a guy just gets a reputation and no one else really questions it. And, yeah. you know, like the, the, the guy, the person walking in knows which players they're there to see. They watch those players. As long as those players don't fall down on their face, they're like, yeah, man, I mean, he is really tall. So yeah. five stars. Yeah, but what you're describing, though, they would be, they operate with the same lack of information and information deficiency as you would, right? To me, it's just kind of like the draft. And people get really mad whenever you say, and I think a lot of like football media people, I think they could do this better than the people in the football world. And people are like, that's insane. It's like, well, yeah, but they're missing like 80% of the time. I think that the draft is easier because just the, the fit, like if, if it were me, I would really want to go on a lot of film and, uh, high school film a lot of time. Like there's just a ton of times where the players never playing against anyone that is remotely similar to the people who line up against every week, which is true again from the college to the NFL. But I feel like in college, like it, you know, like honestly, dude, like uh, if I was at a like smaller place, like I could have played cornerback, you know, like if it's a small enough school and like one of those guys is coming through and it's like, yeah, you can shake TC, <laughs> you know, like that's definitely I, the toughest part about it. I saw Arch play last year. I went down to New Orleans and he mm -hmm. played, Quite possibly the worst high school football team in America. Some of the videos I've seen, I'm like, are we sure? I was probably, <laughs> yeah. I was talking to his dad pregame in the stands, and he goes, oh, there's there's the team. I'm, I'm surprised they fielded the team this year. It's always kind of a question. I was like, excuse me? Um, <laughs> yeah. And apparently it's a school that's like right on the coast, and every time there's a hurricane, like the entire town just gets wiped out. And wow. that was like their homecoming team. And I've got a video that's gone pretty viral of arch just like running from these kids who are like five foot five i think that's probably the video him. i've seen then. yeah that's yeah. the one i took and it was i think he's really really good i think people a lot say to us if his name wasn't manning and i'm like well his name is manning and he does have like the pedigree and it's a pretty unique and important pedigree uh to consider 
Um, I would like to see him against a team with a pulse before I before I really have a strong opinion. But like just going back to your original point, I think I actually, uh, unlike the draft, I probably see more of these kids than college coaches do because I see them at camps, I see them at yeah. workouts, I see them at seven on seven, I see them in games. Obviously, I, I mean, I see them in a million different settings. Yeah, yeah, that's nice. Um, what has been the uh, my perception is that the uh, number of these camps has exploded and that the, the, that is like at this point uh i mean what what would you say like as far as the the uh, breakdown of uh, tape v camps so everybody's trying to make money off camps so yes they have exploded um camps are good for like the best part about camps so we're big and you mentioned our rankings earlier we're look we're we're very aware that like we have our misses and our blind spots We've gone really hard into data and like verified athleticism is the most important thing for us. So height, weight, speed. Um, if, you know, kids who say I run a 4.4, it's like, well, if you don't run track and you don't run a sub 1100, then I don't believe you run a 4.4. And so we, we lean a lot on track because track, at least in the state of Texas, is all laser verified. So we can lean on that and say, okay, if a kid runs a 10.400, pretty fast. Um, camps are great because we get a lot of that verified F information from them. They'll give us a, a, a real measurement on a kid. You'd be surprised how many kids say they're six six and they're really six four and a half or you I know, don't think I would be surprised. Whatever the case. Even <laughs> I don't like, know that I've ever accurately given my height in my life. <laughs> there are kids I don't know what my height is. I, I couldn't tell you what it is. I think it's I, five eleven. I, I think I it's start is. just saying six foot. It's one inch. People are not gonna be able to tell that visually and that sounds impressive. No, it's but it's six the, foot. It's the biggest inch though. It is the biggest it is. inch. The, and the, that's the problem. The gap between there and so like there's a bunch of kids that say they're that, and you would look at him and say, well, "That's a big frame kid. He's probably six six. The the ones that are funny to me, who are the legit six six kids, they're like, "No, I'm six eight. And I'm like, "Dude, you're six six. Like you're big enough. Like just just yeah. be six six. Yeah. Um. You know, we get a lot of that information, and we base a lot of what we do on the draft because for people will look at us and go, "Why would you evaluate these high school kids for the NFL?" But our reasoning is the draft is really the only rubric we can accurately be graded against. So yeah. we have 32 five stars. Those are all guys that we name as like first round picks basically. So a lot goes into what's their arm measurement, what's their wingspan, what's their hand size, all those sorts of, you know, data points the draft uses. We look at what Notice we didn't say folks heart. Yeah. <laughs> I did ask um, one of our rankings guys the other day if we could uh, put a new category on the ranking spreadsheet for if they got the dog in them oh yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, all you need to know uh i'm sorry dog rating a call real quick let me stop that um you break some news it, it is it's a quinn transfer is that the lost it is dogs? a source but um the lost dogs. <laughs> it's not the lost dogs. Oh, okay. Um, no, but I do. There is no category for if they have the dog in them or not. So mm. um, we do base a lot on that. We'll do things like I think we'll do a study and we'll break down. Okay, look. Let's look at every linebacker that got drafted. What were the common traits and what did those guys look like as high schoolers? So we lean a lot on data more than. And we have some older guys that do the rankings who are like, look, I just I watched this guy. My eye says he's really good. And it's like, yeah, well, he's undersized, short-armed, and doesn't run that fast. So we got to overrule you on this one. But, um, you know, a lot of those things go into it. And, uh, you know, we just kind of try to – I think it's it's come out better year over year. We had better – I think this year was like our best year draft-wise um, that we've had doing this. So we kind of learn lessons year to year. 
Uh, going back to the book, what are your uh, what are your biggest close calls for the horns? Like, uh, was was there anyone you talked to that you know? I mean, it sounds like Huff thought he was some, going somewhere else until Huff the very was going end. to Houston to run track. Um, but I guess I'm, I'm more interested in like uh, you know the the high profile battle, like where there's the guys you know well regarded the entire time, and Oklahoma's really got a, a, a ear, really got his ear and. So Roy Miller, who uh, was a defensive tackle from like 05 to 08, um, played in the NFL for a while. He was an Oklahoma commit who they basically, he just told me like, once I committed, they just stopped recruiting me. Like I'd show up there and nobody would talk to me. So, you know, Mac offered late and I just decided to flip. That was kind of a, wow. he's like, I pulled over on the side of the road, called Oklahoma and was just like, I'm out. And they showed up the next day in our, in my coach's office and, and, uh, we're kind of aggressive about it. Um, he actually told a good story about it. So he grew up in Colleen. Uh, and if you're every player I talk to from that area, it's like Tommy Harris is God. Yeah. Um, and you would obviously be, agree, uh, right? Every player anywhere. Uh, and Tommy Harris at Oklahoma, or he may have been in the NFL at this point, paid for Roy Miller to go to the Texas camp. Um, but was like, you cannot tell the Oklahoma staff that I paid wow. for you. But like, I just want you to be able to go and, and make the most of your you know, recruitment and all that. And I thought that was a pretty cool story for Tommy to yeah. kind of put that aside and, and make sure he got there. Um, you know, it's hard because a lot of those guys were in that prime Mac era. It's like, he just didn't miss on guys. Like he didn't, there weren't a lot like Derek Johnson kind of grew up like a, a Baylor fan. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, he knew like Baylor was like one in 11, I think the year he came out of high school. So he knew I'm, I'm, not going to Baylor. Quan Cosby was probably the closest, and his was a two-time recruitment because Mac won him out of high yeah. school. He went to go play minor league ball, and I think Mac thought, well, as soon as he comes back, he'll just come back here. And he went through the recruitment again. Um, you know, he went to Oklahoma, went to Tennessee, went to Florida State. Um, and I think he told me at the time, I would I would have to go look back in the book, I think he told me he was kind of leaning towards going to Oklahoma at that point. Um, and then Mac had just kind of, you know, sat down with him and – did his Mac thing and won him over. So what a uh, what what picture emerged of what the Mac thing is? It's like it, it really was the family, and you know he he won the moms really quickly with just you know I'm gonna take care of your son and um, every one of them, Sally and I yeah Sally, there are a lot of stories about Sally Sally closed <laughs> some deals and and it sounded like. Um, in fact, Quan told me that when he called and committed, he gave his commitment to Sally instead of Mac. That's awesome. Wow. Look at that. So, uh, closer. yeah, she was the closer for sure. Um, I think too, the, the interesting thing was talking to Roy Miller. I asked him kind of like, you were there for the national championship years of freshman. You were through the Colt McCoy era and then kind of into the bad times. Like you were around for that. So like, what do you think happened? What caused it to go wrong? Mm-hmm. And he said something interesting that, he goes, after we won in 05, people thought they had won the national championship just by committing to Texas the next year. He's like, people walked into the building like, oh, we're, we're national champions. And, you know, he's like, none of them had sweated for it. None of them had worked for it. And that attitude just kind of permeated throughout the following classes. And everybody, you know, nobody thought they had to really work for anything. It was kind of something he was just out of pissed about. So um, I thought that was a kind of a unique take on it. The other, uh, the other fun. So, like B.J. Johnson's uh, dad was a longtime like uh, radio host in Dallas, and he's a big time like political consultant in the city. Okay, and um, I don't think Eric, I knew that. 
Huh? Is it Eric? Eric think, Johnson? Yeah, <laughs> BJ's dad, Eric. Ages might t- not totally line up there. I don't think so. I'm not. I'm trying to remember his first name. It's, it's not Eric. Um, but he, obviously, Texas had the reputation of being the last all-white national championship team. And there were a lot of, like, mm. in the, within the black community, there wasn't a lot of, hey, it's cool to, like, send your kid to Texas. And he talked about, you know, his dad kind of taking a lot of flack when he decided to go to Texas. And uh, and we kind of explored that era. I That's did get a little bit into the Eyes of Texas discussion with, with him, and, and he kind of gave his thoughts on that. So it's a fun piece of it. That's cool. Yeah, uh, Stavros, his most recent, Stavros Halkius, a uh, popular podcast host and comedian, uh, on his most recent episode on uh, Chapo, they they – where uh, they always go and break down, they search like a uh, ask slate for like advice questions from people who are totally deranged. Uh, they do a great job of finding them. And, and there was one, there was a lady who's like, I moved to this new, you know, uppity white town for my job. And I'm worried that my white son will not have diversity. So how can I force black people to be friends with me? Uh, and they had a, you know, hilarious back and forth. But where Stavros landed was like, just play sports. Just have your kids yeah. play sports. Yeah. And it is so fucking true. You know, and it's a, that's why it's it's amazing to me on some level, the uh, Del Rio, you know, yeah. like uh, he's got as good an opportunity for diversity as exists for the regular man in America today. Yeah. And uh, he's just like, yeah, well, whatever. Um, but yeah, I don't know, dude. That's it's It is just so fucking awesome that, uh, you know, people of all races in the state do love Texas football. It is the thing that brings them together. We were just in Mexico last last week on vacation, and as I was watching an election, and right there, cowboy sweater. (laughs) As you'll see here, I I frequently wear (laughs) high school football gear. I'm repping the Richardson Berkner Rams today. Absolutely, Um, and uh, so like that's kind of what my wardrobe has become is just a bunch of like high school t shirts and hoodies and stuff. Um, and so I, I was wearing a bunch around the resort and like day one, I walk in wearing a sock shirt Mm -hmm. and a bunch of ladies in the pool were from Kimball and they're like, Hey, he's got, he clearly didn't go to sock, but he's got a sock shirt on. Um, so that kind of, you know, sparked up conversation. Made friends. I had a McKinney lion shirt on at one point and a lady told me that she went to high school there. My wife was just constantly the entire time, like. Can you please stop talking about high school football on our vacation? (laughs) (laughs) Grind don't stop. It's another country. That happened to me with a John Curtis Christian shirt once. Yeah? Yeah, at the gym. One of my brother's teammates. I don't know how I ended up with this shirt, but it was a guy who was staring at me like I could feel it for like 15 minutes. And finally, we ended up in the same part of the gym. And he was like, you didn't play football at Curtis. No. I'm like, no, I didn't. I, de- I might have. I definitely didn't. Don't no. worry about it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Curtis is a big enough name in New Orleans. That was a um, – have you guys uh, – I'll recommend a good book to you if you haven't read it. Um, it's called uh, Across the River by Kent Babb, um, and he spent a I've year with the, uh, the Edna Carr football team in New Orleans, which is on the West Bank uh, in New Orleans and, like, Algiers, which is – I mm-hmm. mean, it's murder town USA right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's an incredible book talking about like the kind of struggles that those kids deal with. Um, and Edna Carr is like a perennial state power in New Orleans, in, in Louisiana. But I went last year to see Edna Carr play Warren Easton on a Saturday night in New Orleans. It was the same night that Texas had forfeited like a 40 point lead against Oklahoma. Um, so I woke up that day, watched that game and thought this is going to be a, you know, be a fun day. And then uh, the second half of that game happened. So I go to this game, it's in downtown New Orleans, Tag Gormley stadium. 
I have to beautiful, park. by the way. It's a gorgeous stadium. I got to park like two blocks from it. And as I'm leaving, we, we try to talk to some players afterwards, in which I then learned in reading the book that they had to put the car players on the bus as soon as the game was over because somebody tried to shoot one of them previously on the what? field. So they were like, you cannot stand here and talk to them. Um, I'm walking out and it's just kind of like the, you know, the night, uh, the night Tupac died, they talk about like the energy, like everybody just knew it was something going on. That's, I felt that energy, like walking out of the stadium, there were like fights breaking out everywhere. There were gunshots going off. There was like a dude got jumped on the street right in front of me, walking to my car. And I was just like, this is the most, I'm good in, in like South Dallas. I'm good in the hoods. I know, but like I was out of my depth there and I was, I Texted my buddies and I was just like, hey, if you guys don't get a text from me in like 10 minutes saying I'm okay, like worry or call somebody. Um, it was most terrified I've ever been like walking out of a game. Wow. Yeah, no, I, I've, I've never uh, felt anything remotely like that covering uh, Dallas ISD games for the morning news. But I, I love covering Dallas ISD games for the morning news. It's a, it's a live atmosphere often. What, uh, what stadium were you most frequently at? Sprague. Sprague, as they will tell Sprague, you. Sprague, that's right. Sprague, as they will tell you there. Um, yeah, I go to Sprague a decent amount. Of, you know, the new uh, Kincaid is great. I mean, it's not like it's a huge or anything. You know, it's not like the, the stands are overflowing. They're not uh, the top teams in the state usually. Uh, well, now. Yeah, Sox suck. When I was, uh, they were towards the bottom of the table. That's been really fun because I've been close with those guys for a while. So like, and they told me last year, like, we're just going to win state next year. And I was like, oh, okay. Um, that's what I've heard from a lot of DISD teams. And they, <laughs> damn if they didn't prove me wrong. But uh, we got to be along for the entire ride because we showed up to the first two playoff games to cover them. And then Todd, Jason Todd, their head coach, goes, well, where are you going next week? I was like, oh, I'll probably go to like Austin or something. And he's like, no, you're, you've been here for two. We've won two. Like, you're here. <laughs> yeah. And so I was like, okay, I guess I'm here. So Hell I yeah. saw the entire playoff. Run. That's great. <laughs> uh, random unrelated reasons. I uh, I was I was uh, just for for shits and gigs shooting a video of their uh, their field. I didn't uh, like it's it's nice the practice field they have behind the high school. How long has that existed? Like two or three years. They yeah. used to practice at a junior high, which was one of the more terrifying places to go to watch a football practice. Um, and uh, they've got the new facility built, and it's been great for them. Yeah, it's so beautiful. Yeah, it's it's gorgeous. And right across like, the way from Donovan Lewis Drive. Oh, that's true. Is it really? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Wow. Uh, they renamed that, it. The at last boarding thing that uh, Donovan and his agent are involved with uh, is yeah. Like I was, I was just trying to park to shoot the video of the field, and uh, uh, almost like uh, parked on Donovan Lewis Drive by mistake. That's awesome. Yeah. It's a great facility, and they've they've updated like their all their weight room and stuff. I mean, their weight room used to have like mold in it, and it was yeah, it was in is a, that good for athletics? It was in a basement. <laughs> no, it's not great. Uh, they had like a bug problem mm-hmm. uh, that was like overrunning it. So yeah, getting that and um, being able to update everything they have has been has been huge. And DISD did it across the board. It wasn't just at SOC. Mm-hmm. I just thought it was hilarious a year after the um, – and I'll tell you, if you guys don't follow the Sox football account on Twitter, it is an entertaining follow because those guys do not mind getting shots off at anybody. <laughs> um, and That's if you recall, fun. when COVID hit, the DISD superintendent came out and goes, well, you know, football's not that important because we don't win anything anyways. Mm. And they had a video to make about that after they won state. So <laughs> Jason Todd, it's, and so that kind of goes into – I haven't really told anybody this. So I guess I'm breaking this on this podcast. Um, 
if I do another book, I want it to be my idea. And I think I'm going to do something kind of inspired by the Across the River book I read about Sock and their state title run. And I'm close enough with that staff where I can get kind of all access. And uh, Jason Todd, their head coach, is one of the more interesting characters in the state of Texas. That's wonderful. Yeah, I just his last, read that. Just his last few tweets are pretty spicy. <laughs> well, you can tell Todd goes to a bar in Oak Cliff um, that he frequents, and you can tell when he's there – and when he's had a few, because he um, he will uh, he'll light it up about nine thirty or ten at night and just start tweeting and and just start going off and um, you know he's he's a smart enough guy to like he understands what he's doing and kind of when to do it. But man, their their whole uh, their whole account is is an incredible. They do a great job with social media, which I mean I know social media wasn't around when we were in high school, but can you imagine having like an entire social media team for your, for Richland? Oh for Richland God. football. Yeah, I mean, I follow it. <laughs> I follow their account and I follow the coach. And I'm like, this is just, this is insane. Like, one, uh, we mold in a bug problem was, that was standard in like a middle class school. Yeah. And I see like their, you know, their setup now. And I'm like, that's insane. Uh, and yeah, they're like posting videos of the kids like at practice. And I'm like, this is so weird. It's just a, They yeah. didn't have a lot of your practice footage saved. No, I don't think that they did. I don't <laughs> definitely. No but I also, I'm, I'm, I'm obviously like in a lot of cases, super glad. Uh, like in a lot of cases, we talk about social media because like, dude, every weekend and in the summer, we were fighting. And like, if somebody has their phone out, like we were fighting in every tournament. Like everybody, a lot of people were, you know? Yeah, that's how seven on seven went. We used to scrimmage uh, Arlington, Sam Houston as one of the teams in seven on seven and like literally every time they showed up, it was like, okay, well we'll play for like five minutes. And yeah. Then we'll get, in a fight. <laughs> we'll get, to get down to <laughs> business. Got a couple here. things to settle. And seriously, man, like I would, that's, that's a tough scene. If people just have their phone out when you're in high school, watching you in your highest T moment, some, somebody lays you out and you get up and jump on them. And now there's a, you know, a tweet of it that, I'm glad I missed Well, that's that. where, like, the, so the select seven-on-seven's gotten so crazy with, like, the celebrations. And now the big thing is, like, if you catch a ball on somebody, you go pat them on the head. And oh, the, yeah. And there was legitimately, <laughs> like, a video a couple of weeks ago where, like, some kid did it. And as he's walking off, the kid runs up behind him and just swings around him and just drops him, like, on Ooh. video at a tournament. Yeah. I've seen some wild things on the select seven-on-seven. They just too. called that Saturday for you? Well, I mean, I've, I've seen that. Mm -hmm. I've seen that. I've seen people like have, I've seen refs had to be held back because the other thing too <laughs> is, and I don't know if a lot of people know this, but like our seven on seven team was just coached by one of the guys on our team's older brother because you couldn't have co well, you couldn't have coach involvement, and so we're like seventeen. He was like. 22 yeah not exactly a steady hand on the <laughs> i would have loved to be him I'm, I'm i'm sad that didn't unfold for me like he was a you know a big time player when he was in high school i think he, he played a little bit you know two three years of college and then he was when he was home i coached uh fort worth eastern hills to a seven on seven state That's qualifier wonderful. victory one year and it was literally one of my buddies was on staff and he goes, hey, we need somebody that we can signal the play to, and they'll just call the play we signal. Yeah. <laughs> That's pretty much what it was. But yeah. your real coaches that you think you can get in trouble with aren't there. It's just a guy. He's probably hung over. They've changed that rule. They're, now can, coaches can be there. They just have to sit in the end zone, and they just scream from the end zone. See, they couldn't even be there. They would find out what we did, and we would have to deal with that two days later. Yeah. <laughs> that was always fun hang time of, oh, God. But there's no video, so we can lie. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> you know? And now you've got a bunch of guys like me taking video at all these yeah, things. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. Although my personal uh, 
my personal philosophy is to, as soon as a fight starts, I shut off the camera because I just, I don't want anybody being like, yo, we need the fight footage. Yeah. You don't never want to end up That's as a, a class. In this, sports this media. This man grew up in South Irvine. <laughs> exactly. You, know, you don't have rules. to deal with law enforcement because of your, your job. <laughs> That's just so. smart. Yeah. Uh, so I, I'm interested. I, I want to know like uh, two kind of, you know, overall trends that you see um, just in your, in your position as, as recruiting man. What, like... You, I mean, by only talking to athletes, you're skewing the sample some, but I think you are talking to the future of America far more than the rest of us. Mm-hmm. Just in the time you've been doing it, I wonder if you've seen any shifts. Like, I, I think that whenever most people, certainly like my age and older, think about like the average young person, like you start to focus on the ways in which they're different and it's concerning to you. But I would bet that someone like you, you're probably also running into just a ton of kids that are blowing you away with how seriously they're taking high school and the opportunities out of them. Oh, for sure. And what What is the breakdown? Are you mainly talking to like a dead-eyed psychos who happen to run fast or is it, uh, it, it all just brilliant kids? It runs the gambit. There's a kid and sometimes they'll trick you. Some of these kids are sociopaths and they can just lie to your face and, and not care. There was a kid... I, I'm not going to say his name, but there was a kid who, big time player, um, when we first met him and he started getting attention, it was, oh, Mr. Roach, I appreciate you covering me. I'm ex- extremely honored to get a Central Florida offer. What are you talking about? And then signs with a major SEC school. And like near the end, it got real tricky down the line with where, you know, committed to one school, but immediately announcing plans to visit four others. And mm. um, just told us, told somebody I know, uh, I treat these schools like I treat my hoes. <laughs> it's not a it's not a bad line I, well I, I i don't like either <laughs> respect those women son um but yeah i mean there's a that's what we're trying to do this weekend we're going to get together and we're going to respect women and that's I think my that's, plan that's all we can ask for um but yeah there's a ton of kids who are they really have it together i mean they're they're smart they're they're the the like weird thing coming out with this um nil stuff is how good at marketing some of them are Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like Evan Stewart, who signed with AM last year and went to Frisco Liberty, uh, was like the top five player in the country. He was the number one receiver and had, before anybody knew he was good at football, had over a million followers on TikTok. Like he's just, and he's a genius when it comes to like promoting his brand. So he's going to, in the traditional sense of NIL and the way they made it out to be, can cash in now. Very little of NIL is being used that way, but, um, yeah. You know, I, I think he's, you know, it really surprised me. There's a kid that signed with Texas from Alabama named Justice Finkley, um, whose parents are both surgeons. He's like a 4.0 student, is going to become a surgeon at some point. Um, you know, I guess if he doesn't break his hands playing defensive end. Mm. And, uh, you know, just I mean, when you talk to him, it's like, whoa, you're like, I remember what I was like at 18 and I was nowhere like this. So, um, yeah, I mean, I think it, it kind of runs the gambit. I deal more in, um, I spent a lot more time in disadvantaged neighborhoods, so you don't see it as much there. But even there, like, you know, there's kids at South Oak Cliff and kids at Kimball that uh, there was a kid at Madison that signed with SMU whose dad was uh, dad died when he was very young. And, you know, he had a 4.0, had like 30 hours of college done before his junior year of high school was over and like entered SMU is basically like a junior class wise. Um, from Madison. So, I mean, it, 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 there's definitely, I mean, like what you were talking about earlier, the, you know, I, I don't know if the kid had a 4.0 while working at the Amazon warehouse, but I think that is in many ways more impressive, right? Yeah. And he, he most certainly did not. Um, but I mean, just to be able to get through, 
and deal with that. Like, I don't want to work 9 p.m. to 4. I'm not equipped to do that. No, no. Let alone him. And then I, I don't have to work do at school. all. <laughs> <laughs> We're working on that. I'm, I'm working on some things for you uh, 24-7. Please do. Uh, we we always need podcast knowledgeable guys. I, I know a lot about them. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, I mean, I think it, it runs the gamut. Um, and there's, there's some really impressive kids. There's some kids you meet and you're like, that kid's a psychopath. And He'll either be in jail or in the NFL in three years, and we'll see which one. Maybe both. Could be. I was going to say, why not? <laughs> why not? It sounds like a cowboy. Um, and then what? 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 What picture emerged as far as? And I guess you know, uh, amongst the guys you're talking to over the book, and then you know, in, in your personal experience, I'm sure that, or I guess I'm interested to hear you know your take. But I, I would think that it remains that uh, Oklahoma is the big recruiting rival. But like, are there, were there any are there any surprises from like what you would think uh, for the regular person? I was always interested, like as Baylor's going from total laughing stock to you know contender in the Big Twelve, which that's your entire ride, right? Like mm-hmm. you, you know, I, I would think that they've been at the bottom at a couple times, and just like is that that they totally turn things around in recruiting? Or I would more think that like you just finding diamonds and developing them because no one's going to come to Baylor. Yeah. They found diamonds and developed them. They started recruiting better outside mm-hmm. of that. Um, but were they ever, but they're never are, going to yeah. reach the level. I mean, it's still to this day, people, the Baylor people get pissed because they're like, well, Texas is five and seven and they're still signing top three classes and we can't, it's like, yeah, it's just, it's how it is. You know I mean? I think they've done a better job evaluating and developing uh, much better. I mean, the Texas development has been awful. For yeah. the last, and that's the problem is people want to point to the classes and, you know, pointing to the way classes are ranked. It's not always, yeah, you know, like in 2018, Texas signed the number three class in the country and it is by and large been a massive failure. I mean, they had the number one DB class. None of those guys are going to, I mean, outside of Caden Stearns, who's going to have a nice NFL career, mm-hmm. but was still drafted in the fifth round. You know, none of those guys are really going to pan out. And, but so people say, oh, well, that's number three. They're like zero offensive linemen in that class. There was zero real impact defensive linemen in that class. It was all, they built it all on receivers and and DBs and stuff like that. So it's not an apples to apple comparison because it's not really how you build a team. Mm -hmm. Um, But it does get the, you know, the recruiting. uh, Whereas I think Baylor has focused more on building up front and developing guys that with, you know, with certain traits up front. But like what, what has been, have have there been any like a, surprising thorns in the side like who who do you see like do you see oklahoma as the the primary it's big developing into a&m has become okay. the primary um especially now with lincoln riley gone it's oklahoma they're starting to kind of pick it up right now actually they've just landed like four or five really good good kids but their recruiting has been weird since venables has taken probably over. doesn't match our last couple of weeks but that's okay <laughs> you can <laughs> it's been it's been weird since venables has taken over i mean they're like getting kids from like Areas they've really never recruited for before, like New Jersey and Pennsylvania and stuff like that. So huh. they're just really not mixing it up with Texas for a lot of guys. Um, it, it has become more a direct, like, what will it A&M? And then you're also, for the elite, you're fighting Bama and Ohio State because Bama and Ohio State have made themselves regulars in the state of Texas now. It's truly embarrassing to me how often Ohio State, in the last decade, like, it's been a long time. That they just come in and take top Texas kids. That's fucking disgusting, in my opinion. I mean, it's it's out. It's 
Somebody made the argument to me the other day that Texas going to the SEC is not good for Texas because it allows like all these other teams in the state. And I'm like, I mean, the other teams have been into the state. It's not going to – that part's not going to change. Bama and, and – I mean, that was the point of inviting A&M. Yeah. But, I mean, it was happening even before that. Just yeah, with national yeah, yeah. TV and – you know, things have just changed to the point where kids are more comfortable going. That was like the big thing from the book is like those kids were like, I just didn't really want to leave the state, you know, and these were my options. I could go to Oklahoma. I could go to LSU. Those weren't that far away. But like I did not want to go to Miami or I didn't want to go to, you know, Florida State. I wouldn't want to go to Ohio State under any circumstances. Like it's very cold. You know, like it's fine. Like Obviously, uh, you're going to get a really good shot at the pros. I understand the, the good parts And that's where kids are it. these days. But you're in Ohio. Yeah. Kids these days, they're like, it's like doing a prison sentence. It's like, I try to just do three years there. I'll go in the first round. Yeah. And, I, and I'll make a lot of money. So I get that, but I do tell kids. Just a lot like, of non-Ohio places. There are kids who come back and that. they're like, well, I just loved Michigan State. And I'm like, well, yeah, you went in June. Like go back and go back in January and tell yeah. me how you like it. The Midwest is great right now. I can report. Yeah, like uh, they love like kids love Northwestern when they go visit it in sure. May. It's a pretty cool practice situ- situation they have. Yeah, yeah but yeah. I mean, would you like? I tell kids, just envision where do you want to be on a February Tuesday, like going to class. What the you know, good, bad, or indifferent? Like make the decision on that, not. Not what you see in May on a recruiting trip. You know, I remember little Jordan Humphrey when he went on his Wisconsin visit. He called me like he went in January to Wisconsin. He called me. He's like, uh, no. <laughs> yeah. He was like, the snow is up to my shins. No. <laughs> <laughs> and then the last thing for me is, have you ever met the the pool assassin monkey? Great question. I haven't. Um, <laughs> What's the closest you've come? Surely you did talk to Jeff Banks. Yeah. Surely you've talked to Jeff. Have you talked to Jeff Banks? There's no I, doubt I, he has. I can't reveal my sources, man. Okay. Um, <laughs> I just meant like in an official interview capacity. Yeah, I'm not an official interview. Like, again, okay. we, we camps and stuff like that. We run up against yeah, each yeah, other yeah, or we yeah. might see each other yeah. out of school or something. So then the next question is, have, have you asked, talked to the stripper? I have not asked the question, no. Then, not, then if you've met the stripper, I have not talked met her to monkey. <laughs> no, here's how you do it. I have not spoken with his companion. Um, <laughs> Since you cover recruiting... You, you don't have to ask to meet the monkey, but you should just ask, are you using the monkey? Yeah. Like, as part of a pitch, here, this is what they got over here. You're into this kind of education. There's a lot I can say about this once <laughs> this is done. I can say to you two. <laughs> I had a feeling that was going to be the case. <laughs> I will say that the moment Sark was hired, that's when I was alerted about the monkey. About the yeah. monkey. <laughs> so Somebody been, reached out and was like, Yo, for a while. you're going to want to know about this. <laughs> yeah. And I yeah. sent some Instagram accounts and things like that, things of that nature. That's incredible. Asked where you could, one could procure monkey food in Austin. <laughs> I mean, which those I kids needed to stay away from its encampment. <laughs> the I, sign I, was very I'm clear. pro monkey on this one. The sign was very clear. Yeah. Yeah. Beautiful. You want to give the name of the book again? Yeah, please do. Yeah, that's the uh, the Road to Texas. Incredible twists and turns along the Longhorn recruiting trail. I, you, Jake, you've got it pulled up in front of you. Did I Incredible twists and improbable turns. Improbable turns. Along also forward by Craig Way, um, which, like, here's how tone-deaf book publishers are, and I hope they don't listen to this. Um, they asked me, like, hey, who do you want to do the forward? And I was like, I got a great idea. I'm friends with Craig Way. He's the voice of Texas sports. Everybody knows who he is, and they're like, well, we don't want just a play-by-play guy. Why don't we get, like, Vince Young to do it? 
Okay, yeah, do that. And I was like, well, if you can, but I want Craig away. And they basically, they're like, well, we'll take care of the forward then. Don't worry about it. We're not doing the play-by-play guy. And then we get into final editing, and they're just like, so we don't have anybody to do the forward. <laughs> You're like, yeah, I said that. <laughs> so, okay. uh, yeah, I called Craig, and he did it. And, cool. uh, and And he does a great job on it, too, so. Well, we're happy for you, man. Thanks for coming by. I appreciate you guys for giving me the opportunity to shill it. Go buy the book. That's it for tonight. The high school special is next, so until tomorrow, for everyone who's been a part of this one, I'm TC and Jake. We do thank you for watching. Good night.